Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. It's AD 31 or so, and the disciples are held up in a room inside of Jerusalem with the doors locked and the windows closed. It's been a week since the cheering crowds welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem as their Messiah and King. Three nights since they enjoyed their last supper with their beloved teacher and took their first communion. Three nights since their backstabbing cohort, Judas, betrayed their closest friend. Three nights since Jesus' arrest in the garden. Three days since they watched in horror from a safe distance as he was beaten beyond recognition and hung on a cross to die. Three days since they placed his body in a borrowed tomb. They're doubting their decision to follow Christ. They sit in silence now with the exception of the occasional sound of weeping. They watch as a group of women walk out the door on their way to place more spices around the entombed body of their much-beloved friend and teacher as the first rays of light make their way into a darkened apartment. Not only are their hearts heavy for the loss of their great friend, but they are paralyzed to move on at the thought of they may be next. Most of the world does not believe that Jesus was resurrected. They want what's called proof of life. Now, being a retired cop, I'm interested in the law enforcement world and all things criminal justice. And in that world, oftentimes people are victimized. And every night that I was a cop for 20 years, I went to this crazy world that most of you can't even comprehend. I went to, uh, to gang territories uh, where there were 31 dialects spoken and uh, more than 50 different uh, documented gangs. It was a crazy world. It was like two worlds to me. I had a world at home with my family, and I had this world, crazy world that I would go to in the evening. But I loved serving people and helping people and protecting and, and, and holding up the victim's rights and, and made sure um, they were treated with dignity and respect and that their case would come to court one day. But any good uh, detective knows this. When there's a kidnapping and someone's been taken for ransom, you never pay the ransom until you've demanded proof of life. You want to make sure the person's still alive before you hand over that sum of money to the kidnapper. So this morning, during our brief time together, I'd like to provide you with just a few of the many evidences. Uh, if we talked about the evidences for proof of life for Jesus, and we went through them all, we would be here till tomorrow morning. I, I, I don't doubt that at all. There's just so many of them to go through, I can't go through. So I picked my uh, top uh, four, I believe it is, and I'm going to give them to you and, and lay out an argument, a very powerful proof that Jesus is alive and that he walked out of that tomb alive after all the implications to this declaration are huge all christianity sits upon that truth if the resurrection did happen then it proves these three things number one jesus has power over death if he walked out of that grave after being killed 
And even, even the most staunch uh, disbeliever believes he did that. There's enough evidence in history to prove that he was killed on the cross. But if he walked out of that grave alive, that has a huge implication that he has power over death. Number two, if the resurrection did happen, you can personally trust him with your eternal destiny because he predicted and fulfilled his own resurrection. You can trust the promise he made to you about raising you from the dead too if you believe in him. And here's number three. All other religions must be false if Jesus walked out of the grave alive. We've all heard someone say it doesn't matter what you believe in as long as you're sincere. But that's just not true. You can be sincere and still be absolutely wrong. It's the same thing with our belief in Jesus. Either he rose from the dead or he did not. Sincerity is irrelevant. If Jesus claimed to be the only way to God, which he did, then his rising from the dead is God's stamp of approval from a completely truthful saying that Jesus is, in fact, the only way to heaven because he claimed to be. If he has power over death, you can place your trust in him that he's telling the truth. So let's examine a few of the evidences this morning for proof of life because everything hinges on it, right? I wish I could preach until tomorrow morning. Been told by the worship team that's not going to happen. So um, I'm just going to try to give you these four, the top four. Number one, the empty tomb. The empty tomb. The most staunch atheist professor will tell you that the tomb was empty, no doubt. Even the Romans in their history say the tomb is empty. There's no argument about that. Both the disciples and the Roman soldiers agreed to the tomb, uh, the theory that the tomb was empty, the body is gone. And by the way, it was guarded by um, soldiers that night so that the body wouldn't be missing on the third day. The Jews knew of this prediction that their Messiah would come and that three days later he would come back to life. The Jewish zealots did not want that to happen. So they got Rome to put Roman soldiers in front of the grave so nobody would snatch the body and claim that Jesus had risen from the dead. And by the way, these Roman soldiers, if the body was taken out of that tomb, would be executed because they failed to do what they were told to do, carry out the order. So we got a big problem with this. Everybody knows the tomb is empty. Number two, the change in the disciples after the resurrection. Proof of life number two. The change in the disciples after the resurrection. Now as a police officer investigating this, this is the most powerful argument that I can come up with. This is the one that sways me beyond any shadow of a doubt. Before the resurrection, the disciples were cowards. Hiding in shadows. They were watching from a distance as their Savior was crucified. With the exception of John, they'd all fleed. They were scattered like sheep without a shepherd, the Word tells us. They're watching from afar, maybe peeking around corners where they can see Him on a cross but they're not going to go and risk their own lives. They were afraid they'd be discovered. You know, Peter had already been fronted off at the arrest of Jesus. Aren't you one of them? And he said, I'm not. 
I'm not. I don't even know the guy. And then he, at the third time he's asked, he finishes it with a curse word. I don't know him. Jesus or Peter is a, a coward at that point. But after the resurrection, see, if you're looking at a person's personality, their integrity, everything they believe, what they're saying beforehand, and then you compare it to after, and it's completely radically altered, something happened right here that made them turn into this. After the resurrection, they were fully committed, boldly proclaiming Jesus' resurrection in the presence, the very presence of those who put Jesus to death. They're not afraid anymore. They step out and say, Jesus is risen. He's the Messiah. And they start, he start preaching. In fact, Peter points a finger at everybody and says, and the one that you put to death, Jesus, the one that you killed is alive. He's no longer afraid. Not only is he saying that he knew Jesus, but he's saying that he's alive. And that'll get you the death penalty in about two seconds. What caused them to go from terrified men to tenacious missionaries? Well, the Bible gives us a hint here in, in John 20, 19 and 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, they're, in there, they're scared to death. They must be looking for us because we were his followers. We're his students. Surely they'll be coming to take us and put us on a cross next. We have to hide. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side where the spear had gone to confirm his death. Then, I underline this in my Bible, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They didn't believe Jesus was going to come back from death until they saw him with their own eyes. From cowards to courageous in about two days. Is their change in attitude good evidence that they saw him alive? I believe it is, and absolutely. But we have more to look at. The next piece of evidence for proof of life. And by the way, I want to tell you a story from Chuck Colson. If you know who Chuck Colson is, he's one of the infamous Watergate conspirators that broke into the Democratic Party's uh, headquarters, and, um, and it was a big to-do. They couldn't figure out who did it. Eventually, they find out who it is. Chuck is one of the co-conspirators. He goes to prison for this, and in prison, uh, the prison ministry that was there led him to Christ. He believed, and he wrote this, uh, and I quote, after getting out of prison, he wrote these words. He said, I know the resurrection is fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Twelve men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and they proclaimed that truth for 40 years consistently. They never once denied it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. He goes on to say, Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep the lie for three weeks. He, sa he continues, he says, you think 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. 
not all of them. End of quote. The, uh, number three, proof of life, the disciples' willingness to suffer. Their willingness to suffer. At one point in the Old Testament book of Job, you may know the story. Job uh, is a, uh, a man of God. He believes in God. He's a faithful follower. And God blesses him with a big family. He's got uh, lots of cattle and sheep, and he's a very wealthy man in his time. And God points down, you know, uh, the devil uh, is cruising through heaven one time, and, and um, God uh, says, hey, have you noticed my man Job down there on earth? And the devil says, yeah. And he says, uh, what do you think about that? This is the Ben Harris version of the Bible. <laughs> and, and Satan says, I think he only honors you because, well, look what you've given him. You've given him everything he wants. Of course he loves you, but I think you take away those things and we'll see a different Job. Well, of course, God allows Satan to, to do that, to take even his children from him in a tragedy. And then he takes everything he owns just about. We find him at a heap of ashes, literally. He's crying out to God for help, but he never turns his back on God. He never denies God. And, and he actually confesses, I don't understand this, but I still believe in you. Nothing shows others the sincerity of your beliefs more than your willingness to suffer and sacrifice your own life for them. What you believe in, you will sacrifice for. What you don't believe in, you will not. And the disciples greatly suffered for their testimony that Jesus had risen from the dead and was the Messiah. They suffered whippings, stonings, hunger, shipwreck, beatings, Poverty, imprisonment, time and time and time again. They, they just went through this. They could have easily avoided all of this, but they refused to stop telling people that Jesus rose from the dead and that they saw Him personally alive with their own eyes. Not that they had heard Jesus was alive, but they had saw Him themselves with their own eyes. They were eyewitnesses, and their testimony would be very powerful in any courtroom across this land. I saw him with my own eyes. Now, in court, the judge isn't there to see the crime happen. He doesn't know what happened. The cops aren't even there the majority of the time. They take witness statements at the scene, and they begin to put this package together for prosecution. But they have to depend on certain people and their eyewitness testimony and the facts and evidence that are presented. They saw, them with a, they saw Jesus with their own eyes. Proof of life number four, their willingness to die. As if a willingness to suffer years of persecution were not enough, evidence of the, uh, for, of the apostles' conviction of the risen Christ, the Bible and church history gives us confirmation of their willingness to die rather than deny the resurrection. And I will tell you both secular sources and Christian sources and Hebrew sources will confirm this. Listen, some people might suffer and die for what they believe to be true, such as the 9-11 suicide terrorists. They believe that the Muslim religion is true and they were just doing what they're supposed to do. They believe that. But they hadn't seen it with their own eyes, and they don't have evidence of that. 
fact, what they have is, is from someone, uh, these events that they uh, claim happened between the first writings, there's 600 years of, uh, uh, that happened before they were recorded. How trustworthy is that? You might die for what you believe to be true, but no one in religious history has ever been willing to gladly suffer and die for what they knew to be a lie. If these disciples knew that hey, we made this thing up, you know, when a spear is pushed into your chest or put up to your chest and you're told either recant or die, you have to make a decision. If they knew it was a lie, all 12 of them maintained their story. If anyone ever recants a false story, it's when they're faced with certain death. The apostles could have denied the resurrection and saved themselves time and time again, but they knew it was true and therefore considered this temporary life on earth of little value compared to their commitment with Christ. In the end, secular history tells us that Peter was crucified upside down. He said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. So they said, fine, we'll put you upside down on the cross. And he gladly went to, the, to his death. He never recanted. Even as he suffered on the cross, he never once. In fact, he prayed for those that were killing him. Wow, what a testimony. He denies Jesus in one moment. And years later, he's on a cross praying for those that are persecuting him and still declaring that Jesus is Lord and that he's a risen Savior. Never recanted it, not once. If the disciples knew the resurrection was a lie, why would they have all died for it? Of course they wouldn't. They saw him with their own eyes, they touched him with their own hands, and they knew he was alive and had conquered death. And now their faith was completely and firmly, forevermore, placed in their Savior. And that accounted for their change in attitude and behavior, their willingness to suffer, and their willingness to die as martyrs to prove to the world of the resurrection of Jesus and that it is true. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us this, Now faith is the substance of things not seen. That's faith. None of us saw Jesus being resurrected. We didn't see Him after He came back to life. We weren't there, but the apostles' faith in the resurrection is our evidence of something we were not there to see, namely the truth that Jesus conquered death, and that's proof of life. That's what convinces me. Of course, we weren't there 2,000 years ago, but it doesn't mean it isn't true. I believe it is true. We have concrete evidence of eyewitnesses from only a few decades. In fact, Mark is only... 20 years. We have an autographer. We have a copy of Mark that, that, um, that tells us the exact story that's in your Bible, word for word. And it's only within 20 years of being written. Pliny, all these other great you know, uh, writers from history, from the time of their story to the time someone writes it down, is, it can be 500 years. One of them is 1,000 years. How can you trust that after a thousand years, this guy knew what happened a thousand years ago. Additionally, we have documentation of the first century church's creed that was derived from eyewitnesses to the death and resurrection, and it dates back to within months of the event. Within the months of the event, 
we have the Apostles' Creed. This is empirical evidence allowed by law to stand in any modern courtroom. Most ancient sources from history only have one or two sources. However, regarding the resurrection, there are nine sources, independent sources about it, both inside and outside the church, both inside the church and from secular sources that said they had heard the story from these men. And that's unheard of when looking at an event that took place 500 years ago, but it's exceptional and it's, there's nothing that parallels it from 2,000 years ago. In our brief time today, I can only give you a few of the many evidences of proof for life. But, I'd like, uh, it, but if you'd like more, I'd like to give you two books that are my favorite on this topic. I recommend the books called The Case for Easter by Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was a uh, reporter. He's an investigative reporter back when reporters actually investigated the news. But that's for another day. I can't chase that rabbit right now. I'll get in trouble. But um, so he was an investigative reporter for the Chicago Times. And he decided, I'm going to prove once and for all this Christianity is a bunch of lies. And so he, dumped, he, he jumped into this. He spent... Um, over a year investigating and looking at the, at the Gospels and the Bible, trying to pull it apart and to, to find out who's telling truth and, who, and to find holes in it. He couldn't. And he said, one night I stood in front of this wall with all the evidence on it. And he said he just fell to his knees. And he said, this is true. And I know it's true. I just don't know what to do about it. Well, he went to his wife who had just become a Christian six months before and he said, hey, I'm sorry for making fun of you and really giving you a hard time. I believe Jesus did walk out of that tomb. I just don't know what it means now. And she got to lead him to the Lord. Here's another book if you like cop stories like me, Cold Case Christianity by J. Warner Wallace. Wallace uh, was an LAPD homicide detective and he was exceptional. In fact, he had an expertise, he had, had this gift of being able to look at um, homicides that were, went cold case, they couldn't figure out who, you know, who did it, and 10, 20 years later, he would, they would bring him the evidence and he'd pour over it, he'd pull things apart, and he would look at it all, and he has this uncanny ability to be able to say, this witness is lying, and here's why. This person over here that you've not really followed up on, he's telling the truth. You need to go do more work with this guy. He saw what happened. And he can explain to you. He, he's an expert on witness testimonies. So one day, he, of course, he doesn't, he's, you know, he's an atheist. One day, uh, his uh, cohorts, other detectives go, you know what, Wallace, I bet you could prove Jesus was dead and never came out of that grave. Why don't you prove that? And, and it became a, a serious thought for him after, you know, years of this. And he went, you know what? I hear there is evidence and witnesses in the Bible. So he had to go, uh, he called his grandma and said, hey, uh, um, you have a Bible, right? And she's like, yeah. And he, uh, can I borrow it? And she's like, yeah, take it. <laughs> and so he takes it and he opens it up and he, he's reading through Matthew, Mark, the Gospels. And he's writing, he's taking notes. He does this huge investigation on everyone's testimonies. And he's stunned to find out that all the, all the disciples have a trustworthy testimony and he's stunned and like you know like the other guy what does this mean 
Well, he ends up coming to Christ. He wrote Cold Case uh, Christianity, and he's written a few other books. I love him because he's a cop, and I love how he thinks. He thinks systematically when he goes through evidence. I like that. But after examining the evidence in this case, this is why I believe that Jesus walked out of the tomb. There's just no way. In 20 years of my experience, you can't get hardly anybody to tell the same. You can have a traffic accident you know, in downtown Boise at noon, and you will get 25 stories as to what happened. It's just human nature. We don't see things the way they are. But these disciples saw it. They knew they saw him die on a cross, and they saw him come into the room that morning with holes in his hands and a hole in his side and that forever changed their life they went to their death gladly never recanting the story that they had seen they knew to be true and this morning you have a decision to make I would imagine the vast majority in here have already made the decision that they believe and follow Christ that they put their trust in this story and believe that what these men saw is true if you place your faith in Jesus Christ today, you know where you're going to go when you leave this planet. It doesn't matter. You're just going to change addresses. Your address will be in heaven. That's why we talk about this so much. It's too dangerous to leave this building even, to go back out on the street without having Jesus as your Savior. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.